the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back in the saddle once again, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you on a Tuesday afternoon. Just a few days left in the month of November before we get to December. Always got to take a moment and be like, wait, where did the time go? How are we here already? Good to be with you as always today and all throughout the week from 3 to 4 here on News Talk 710-KNUS, our telephone number, 303-696-1971. If you'd like to join into the festivities, you can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name and town, name and town, if you wish to text in, please. And, of course, a couple of ways to email yours truly as well. One, log on to 710-KNUS.com and go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page. Or head on over to JimmySangenberger.com and keep in mind that there's no A-I or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. Lots to talk about in the hour today, including what's happening with the Colorado Republican Party. I have a column on that topic, particularly related to the November 2023 elections And we will get into that coming up. And if we have time, I'd like to dive in as well. Wanted to get to it yesterday. We didn't get to. Elon Musk visited Israel and met with Bibi Netanyahu. There's some takeaways from that we might get to today as well. But right now, we are, of course, witnessing an ongoing war in Gaza. Hamas. And Israel, though, have reached a truce temporarily as there have been exchanges of hostages, Israeli hostages, there are some nine or so American hostages, Thai hostages, others, exchanging innocent civilians for Palestinian prisoners being held by Israel. And we are talking about terrorists among those prisoners. Is this truce a good idea? How long should Israel stretch it out? And how many Americans, by the way, are actually being held? John, how many Americans are still being held hostage, and do you have proof of life? We think the number is, um, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, you know, about eight to nine. Um, but we don't necessarily have firm, solid information on each and every one of them. Yeah, that is John Kirby at the White House yesterday. We don't have firm, solid information about Americans being held, and no sign or indication as to when Americans will be among those who are released. Let's talk about what's happening in Gaza and these hostage exchanges and more with somebody who really understands this kind of enemy, the radical Islamists 
who are hell-bent on destroying the kind of civilization and people that Israel represents, that the United States represents. In the year 2000, our guest commander, Kirk Leopold, was the commander of the USS Cole when it was attacked in a suicide bombing by al-Qaeda, another one of those radical jihadi groups, killing 17 U.S. Navy sailors and injuring 37. And Commander Lepold joins me now here on 710 KNUS. Good afternoon, sir. Welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Thank you for having me back on again. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time, especially since you are fresh from Nero Cavuto's show on Fox News as well. So I want to jump in sort of big picture and then we can zero in on some elements because there's, of course, a lot here. As we look at this truce right now between Israel and Hamas, so you can have the hostage releases that we have seen. And we are talking about infants. We are talking about toddlers, little children who have been separated from their families when they were kidnapped and their families were slaughtered in Israel. What do you make of this big picture, sir? Well, I think that when you when you really look at it, the what you're dealing with is the the entire issue of this attack has been beyond the pale. The the fact that these hostages are being negotiated in a manner that, you know, Israel has had to release them and do it in order for them to be able to do the kind of uh, get the kind of, you know, negotiations they've needed to. They've negotiated with these terrorists before, but it's just a tragedy all the way around. One thing that seems to be the case here is this is a bigger scope and magnitude than we have seen in past exchanges like this, because we are talking about now still some 150 plus civilians who are in Hamas captivity right now. And, of course, this could have long-term implications for Hamas to think, okay, what can we do to get more Palestinian prisoners, more of our fellow terrorists out of Israel? Well, I I think, Jimmy, one of the things that you have to look at is this attack by Hamas was unprecedented in the modern world. I mean, we've seen brutality in wars, but the level— of depravity, the brutality of what Hamas engaged in, and every bit of it was sanctioned, coordinated, armed, and trained by Iran. And at the end of the day, Israel is right. Hamas must be destroyed. Their leadership needs to be hunted down and killed. We don't need captives at this point. Hamas and their leadership must be destroyed. And then the larger picture becomes, what do we do with Iran? Because the global community in the United States especially needs to realize Iran has been killing Americans for over 40 years. The embassy bombing in Beirut in 1983, I was in that embassy five days before they blew the face off and killed Americans. I lost a Naval Academy classmate in the Beirut barracks bombing. And at the end of the day, we're going to have to have that difficult discussion with the American people that if we want to see Americans continue to live and be able to engage worldwide, we're going to have to hold Iran accountable for them killing our citizens. One and, 
it's, it's just going to be a very it's going to be very difficult. It's yeah. going to be another engagement in the Middle East, but I don't see any other way around it. Well, one thing in terms of Iran, we see that this is much more than just Hamas. You have Hezbollah. You have the Houthis in Yemen, which have just been added back to the U.S. terrorist list, which it stuns me that they were ever removed from that list. But, of course, this is the rebel group in Yemen that is another proxy for Iran. So you have all of these malignant groups that are acting, if not just on behalf of Iran, they are getting orders dictated to them by Iran in addition to support financially and otherwise for these attacks. There's only one way that you could have the size and scope and scale of the attack we saw on October 7th, and that that's with the robust support from the Iranian regime. So when we look at this news about the Houthis in Yemen and being put back on the terrorist watch list and how that's tied in with the, uh, the the ongoing war in Gaza and the U.S. military presence in the sea there. What what do you make of those interconnections and what we're seeing now with the Houthi situation rolled into this? They're all connected because when you look at it, Iran is the one that has provided each of these proxy terrorist groups with the ability to recruit, to finance, to train, to plan and then conduct these terror operations throughout the region. And they are active in Syria. They are active in Iraq. They are active in Lebanon. They are active in Yemen. And part of what the United States needs to do is we need to turn to some of our Arab allies, especially Saudi Arabia, and say, you're surrounded, and you're going to have to do something about this. And while we can engage to a point You also need to engage. If you consider Iran to be a threat to your national security interests, then you need to be the ones that start bleeding some of your blood, your treasure, in order to safeguard your national security interests if you want your oil to flow freely. While the United States should always be in a position to safeguard our national security interests, and to a small degree that includes the free flow of oil, we also need to make sure that those nations over there begin to pick it up as well, as well as European and our allies in the Far East who are also dependent on oil coming out of that region. Talking with Commander Kirk Lepold, U.S. Navy retired. Uh, sir, as I hear you discuss Saudi Arabia, the other Arab countries, what kind of leverage does the United States have to get them to engage in those ways, especially when they're also looking at it for the U.S. government's perspective from the the vantage point of we don't want the Arabs to be more vocal or more supportive in ways that go against Israel at this moment. We know that rhetorically they are saying things that are supportive, but they also know of the Palestinian people, but they also know, and Hamas, they also know that Iran is behind this. So they certainly don't want to go too far in what they show support for in regards to the Palestinians. But at the same time, they're in a bit of a precarious position themselves because of the way that their society is, because of the religious aspects of it. Uh, how, what kind of leverage does the U.S. have over a country like Saudi Arabia, in your view, especially since we do rely on oil from that country? Uh, I think that you know the reality is we as a nation are a stabilizing force in the Middle East because there are two two major religious groups. You've got the Sunnis and the Shias, 
And at the end of the day, it's the Sunnis that are the majority over there. The Shias, which are mostly in Iran, they're the ones that they, they cannot stand each other. And we made a lot of progress during the Trump administration, starting with the Abraham Accords that began to get relationships established between several of the countries over there and Israel. That was a very good thing. It was kind of facing the world as we saw it today. Iran, however, saw that as a threat. And that's why they began to train Hamas to be able to conduct the kind of attack that occurred on October 7th. So at the end of the day, Iran is the destabilizer. The other countries over there realize it. Because when you really look at it, even today with the ongoing conflict, the countries that are over there, all the Gulf Cooperation Councils, the Saudi Arabia, they are not being that vocal against Israel, except in the fact that you are having a loss of civilian life, tragically because Hamas does not believe in international law, and they care, could care less about the lives of their own people in the fact that they shoot missiles from schools. They clearly have the tunnels and armaments underneath hospitals. So it, the, the dynamic is a little different than in the past when Israel's had to go to war with various factions or groups or countries over there. And I think in the long run, you are going to see a larger and broader Middle East peace break out. And then you're going to see a lot of those countries come together and turn against Iran. But it is going to take time. And right now, Israel needs to be given the flexibility to be able to engage Hamas. And as I said at the beginning, Hamas must be destroyed. And part of the reason why is also to send a signal to Iran is you can arm up a, a, a proxy group. But at the end of the day, that proxy group will be destroyed. Commander Kirk Lepold, I want to ask you about the length that is possible for this truce. Here's one more clip of John Kirby yesterday. Being extended two days. What, what happens now? Do you want to get like three days next or a permanent truce? What, what, what's the thing? It's like I said in my opening statement, Steve. We're, we're grateful that we've got an extra two days to work with here. That'll, that'll result in the release of 20 more individuals, yes. women and children. And as I said uh, right at the top, we'd certainly like to see even that extension extended further uh, until all the hostages are released. That's really the goal here, get all the hostages home with their families where they belong. And we, you know, however, however long that could take. So we have these short two-day spurts or three days or however many days happen, and maybe they get extended and extended. But meanwhile, we know that Hamas is rearming, they are re-upping, they are getting ready for the next phase. And so does Israel not lose ground or risk uh, having setbacks as a result of longer delays, even though, of course, the goal of securing these hostages is of significant paramount importance? Jimmy, that's an incredibly insightful observation in the fact that every day that you have a ceasefire, while hostages may be released, Israel is doing so at the risk of their ability to destroy Hamas. And at some point, they're going to have to draw the line. We already saw a violation today when an IED went off inside of the Gaza Strip. And the fact is that they are going to have to, at some point, say, no, operationally, we must go back to the conflict. We must go back and start fighting, even if it risks the hostages, because there's going to be a larger. I mean, 
we continued to bomb Germany despite the fact that they had POWs, the same with Japan. And at some point, you have to say there's an operational necessity to destroy Hamas for long-term peace at the risk of the hostages. And although nobody wants to hear it, this is the harsh reality of war. Because if they don't take that into calculation, then ultimately Israel will fail in their effort and they will be continuing to fight Hamas into the future. And they can't afford to do that. They can do it for a temporary amount of time. But at some point, Israel is going to have to go back into the fight. Of course, this is uh, pure conjecture. But could this be why the Americans that are being held captive by Hamas have not been released because they want to give added incentive for the U.S. government to try to keep prolonging this truce as long as possible? Oh, I think that's absolutely part of the Hamas calculation being driven from Tehran itself. They hate Americans, and they're going to do everything they can to wage psychological warfare against our citizens as well as the Israelis as well. That's Mm. why they are keeping little kids. That's why they're only releasing the women and children. That's why that they are still still keeping some of them. And yet you look at the United Nations, they've made absolutely no mention of the brutality against women. Why? Because the United Nations is sympathetic to terrorist groups because they hate Israel at the expense of their legitimacy. The U.N. is becoming more and more irrelevant the longer they stay Mm. silent and the more they side with the Palestinians instead of realizing the tragedy of what happened to the Israel people, Israeli people. A few minutes left with our guest, Commander Kirk Lepold. One thing that we've seen when you talk about psychological warfare or you talk about where you're really hinting at sympathies, we've seen that in the United Nations time and time again and many votes going back years that have been abominable. But we've seen a significant growth here in our own communities in not just this idea of pro Palestinian sentiment, but really pro-Hamas sentiment. And we saw it on display just last night at a meeting of the Denver City Council from the Denver Post pro-Palestinian demonstrators, that's how they describe them, speaking out against the Global Conference for Israel coming to Denver this week, took over the City Council chamber on Monday night, causing the council to postpone the second half of its scheduled business until the next week. Here's a sample of a few of those demonstrators that spoke in public comment. It will be distasteful under normal circumstances for Denver to host this conference. But in the current context of an ongoing Israeli genocide against Palestinians, it's abominable. By hosting their conference, Denver is supporting genocide. Zionist values oppose our values as Americans, and I urge City Council to pass a resolution calling for an immediate permanent ceasefire. Thank you. This City Council must put forth a ceasefire uh, resolution just as Seattle, Atlanta, Detroit, and Richmond, California have done. This city council must not be silent. The whole idea here that they're trying to push is to get the city council to somehow cancel an event being held at the Denver of uh, the Colorado Convention Center this weekend for the Jewish National Fund in their event on a conference standing for Israel. Governor Jared Polis is supposed to speak there. And among those who were in the audience, and I want you to hear this too, where they had to go into a recess and then later shut things down, was a city council member herself far left-wing activist Sarah Parody spoke there and here is a little bit of what happened you can't really hear her but commander this is a city council meeting in our public hearing that we've posted tonight folks I apologize there's one proclamation being read this evening 
That's Shannon, speaking. you know this is how things go. Councilman Parity, yes. No. No. We're not doing that tonight. We need to get to our hearing. Thank you, and I appreciate everyone's attendance. We will move on with our meeting, or we will recess now. Okay, I'm calling a recess. Excuse me. I th- I th- I Council think members, was... please convene. <laughs> I think that was Shannon Hoffman who was actually in the in the audience there. Uh, but what do you make of this what, that we are seeing and shutting down meetings and what we're seeing on college campuses is out of control? Well, what you're seeing, I, I can't help but kind of smile at the fact that this is the clearest demonstration to the American people of what you get when you allow liberal politics to take over higher education and they do not teach and educate anymore. They indoctrinate and you literally have ignorance and stupidity being voiced. When they talk about genocide, they don't know what the term means. When they're looking at what is happening to the Palestinian people, guess what? They're the ones that aided and abetted Hamas doing what they're doing. They chose to allow this to happen. Many people can say, well, the Hamas was armed. Well, guess what? They're the ones that allowed this to occur. They're the ones that have, despite Israel giving them numerous opportunities to create a state for the Palestinian people, chose to walk away from the negotiating table on numerous occasions. They, and by the way, when you look at Yasser Arafat, how could a guy who came from nothing die with three billion plus dollars in his bank accounts and Mm. look at what the palestinian people could have done with the money that that corrupt man took because he took it from the palestinian people so you've got to look at these poor kids and this is what indoctrination looks like because they're certainly not being educated and when you have city councils that behave in this manner it speaks volumes to the ignorance of some of our fellow citizens. Yeah, I mean, when you have a member, like I just confirmed, Shannon Hoffman was the council member who went in with the audience and was at the podium trying to shout whatever it was, and they were like, we have to shut down this meeting. We have to. St-. It's absolutely just abominable. And then to hear the stories, I was hearing uh, one aunt of the four-year-old girl who was released uh, from Hamas the speak on Neil Cavuto's show before you, Commander, and just to hear her tell the story of the four-year-old and a nine-year-old child who still whispers, a 12-year-old who was held in uh, his room, his or her room for 16 days, and that, uh, that 12-year-old told the account that if children cried when they were showed video of the attack, then they would be beaten. Like, this is the kind of captivity and depravity that we're seeing. A final word from you, Commander. At the end of the day, Jimmy, the United States, with our allies, must address the correct target, and that target is Iran. And for those people that are hesitating and don't want to do it and don't want to get engaged, my only question to them is, what's the number? Because if you don't want to engage with Iran now, what's the number? How many more Americans have to die at the hands of Iran and their proxy groups before we as a nation are going to do something about it? Well, in another conversation, we could perhaps talk about what the U.S. options would be in that regard. Commander Kirk Lepold, U.S. Navy retired again. He was the commander of the USS Cole in the year 2000. Really appreciate you taking the time today, sir, uh, for your analysis. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jimmy. An honor to be on again.
an honor to have you on the program, sir. Thank you very much. And this is a man, of course, who truly knows and understands the depravity of the jihadi enemy here. I mean, think about al-Qaeda, a suicide bombing of a U.S. ship just under, just under a year before September 11th, 2001. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Text into the show on the 710-KNUS app. You're listening to Jimmy Sangenberger on News Talk 710-KNUS. Such a beautiful, beautiful tune. Gotta love Marshall Tucker. As we come back, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710-KNUS, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Texts. Coming in via the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town if you wish to. Text in, please. Uh, Interesting conversation with Commander Kirk Lepold in the last segment. I was talking with him off air because he was talking about the need to engage Iran. And he was saying it doesn't need to be kinetic, at least not right away, meaning military but can be sanctions and otherwise. And yes, put sanctions, economic pressure on Iran. They weakened it under Obama, and Biden has been so hesitant to do anything of the sort because of this mythical idea that, oh, they can reach a new, nice, rosy Iran nuclear deal. Put the pressure on, without a doubt, needs to be done. Let's go to the app and the texts that have been coming in. Brian in Denver. Hamas are not the good guys for releasing a bunch of hostages. They are the bad guys for having taken the hostages in the first place. Yes, exactly. Yet there's something on the order of credit being given to them. The depravity here. A four-year-old orphan spent 50 days in captivity under Hamas having had her family been separated from her family, her parents killed, her two siblings, thankfully, are okay and remain in Israel. Now she is with extended family, along with her siblings, and she was with another family when taken hostage. That thankfully... Thank God she knew. We're talking two-year-olds. There's a nine-month-old. And they are somehow going to get credit for releasing hostages? For releasing children? Story of a nine-year-old boy who still whispers. Because that, for dozens and dozens of days in captivity under Hamas was the only way that he could communicate. And the list goes on for the depraved, barbaric treatment of kids, not to mention the women and the men. 85-year-old woman who survived both the Holocaust and Hamas. And there's going to be credit given to them. Or, or there people who need to be spoken for at a Denver City Council meeting. It will be distasteful under normal circumstances for Denver to host this conference, but in the current context of an ongoing Israeli genocide against Palestinians, genocide. 
It's abominable. There's the word. By hosting their conference, Denver is supporting genocide. Ah, there's Zionist the word again. Zionist values oppose our values as Americans, and I urge Zionist. City Council to pass a resolution calling for an immediate, permanent ceasefire. Thank you. This City Council must put forth a ceasefire uh, resolution just as Seattle, Atlanta, Detroit, and Richmond, California have done. This City Council must not be silent. Zionist values oppose American values? Remember this from my good friend, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, who was here in the afternoon a couple of weeks ago. He said, Israel is the Jew of the world. And he's right. And he said it powerfully. And code words like Zionism, it's that, that those people who were at that meeting last night were expressing anti-Semitism, full stop. Jewish National Fund is hosting a conference and Governor Polis will be speaking. He is Jewish himself and they're trying to shut that down. Of course, the city council has no bearing on what happens at the Colorado Convention Center. Just reprehensible. Another listener text to persuade the Saudis. They have many nationals in the U.S. It would be a shame if any anything happened to them. Like from Iranians, not sure exactly what you mean there, but uh, I certainly see different methods of pressure that could be brought to bear on the Saudis for sure. Uh, Steve in Littleton texting in, Jimmy, as long as weaklings exist in our government leadership, we can expect terrorists everywhere to be emboldened. Yes, that is exactly right. They are emboldened. And it is, and you can see how emboldened they are from the support that they are getting in America from American representatives like Elizabeth Epps, of course. Who could forget just over a week ago her screed, both on the floor of the state house and up in the balcony? I'm going to give them leeway. I will try to rein it in. What does leeway mean? What are they about to talk about? I will try to rein it in. You you cannot. I mean, they're so brazen, so aggressive. And they're out in growing numbers. This should be deeply, deeply concerning. Big protest of high school students that walked out of classes that I don't know where it was over a Jewish teacher, reportedly, who had been in a a pro-Israel protest. And it was just abominable seeing the chaos. What are these young people learning? What values are they getting? Rhetorical question. Text coming in. Just a thought, Jimbo. If Israel, I love what people call me Jimbo in text. It's always been fun. If Israel or the other side wants to stop this crap, one has to unconditionally surrender to the other. And then he goes on to say Israel has to basically crush him. And I certainly understand that's, I mean, you have to deal with this threat of what Bibi Netanyahu has called the new Nazis. And I think aptly. So, that is a 
the right name for them. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Give us a call, 303-696-1971. Coming up, the self-defeating Colorado Republican Party strikes again. What's happening? I'll get to that on the other side of the break. Once again, you're listening to Jimmy Sangenberger here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Don't go anywhere. Rocking and rolling back with the best Christmas bumper music known to man. Yeah, it's after Thanksgiving, so we're spinning some Christmas tunes. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. It's a little Joe Bonamassa doing this tune called Christmas Date Blues. Gotta love it. Welcome back once again. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS. Text coming in during the break. Jimmy, for the less educated of us out here, can you please give a really quick summary as to why the United States is so tightly aligned with Israel? They are not part of NATO, from what I understand. I was asked this, and I could not answer it. So I think there are multiple factors, and yes, they're not part of NATO, and they wouldn't be part of NATO. But the United States has always, since 1948, when Israel was established— been a stalwart supporter of and defender of an ally of Israel with very good reason because first it is the only stable democracy in the Middle East there have been other semi-democracies or experiments with democracy and so forth but not necessarily working out so good Israel has been very stable democracy it's also the case that you have a region in the Middle East that has so much hostility that has I mean we know everything about the Arab countries and the and the and Iran and and different dynamics that go on there you have the importance of oil in that region and so forth and Israel does give sort of a base that the United States can use if necessary for our military and so forth that's a piece of it as well but really it comes down even more personally to the fact that the United States as a Judeo-Christian country, a country that espouses and holds to heart the Judeo-Christian ethos, has a kinship with Israel, the Jewish state. And that is something that is profound and that has always been an inspirational thing for Americans to look to Israel and say, okay, we have to support and defend the sole Jewish state, the sole democracy. There are two common binds, uh, uh, common things that bind us together. The Judeo-Christian ethic and tradition and the democratic ideal of a democracy. And, of course, there are national security interests, as I said, for the United States to have an ally that they can count on in the Middle East. And that's how I would break it down at its core. And if the United States wasn't supportive of Israel, Israel would probably be wiped off the map. Or face numerous obstacles to its existence. Because if you look at so much of the world that is not supportive of Israel, that would that you look at the United Nations and they often have anti-Israeli resolutions that manage to get through 
and passed or or pro-Israeli resolutions that get rejected. The United States, especially as the most powerful nation on earth, needs to be standing with Israel, lest the Israelis falter and lose ground and the Jewish state goes away. Just a, a few thoughts that come to mind in answer to your question. 303-696-1971, our telephone number, by the way. I talked about this on my show Saturday morning. Of course, the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, Saturdays from 6 to 9 a.m. here on 710 KNUS. But look, let me pose you a question. Since Prop HH went down in flames in a 20-point defeat, what do... Governor Jared Polis, the Colorado Democrat-run legislature, and the Colorado Republican Party have in common. And I'm not talking about achieving more victories for the Democrats, although that's probably the inevitable consequence of what I'm going to say. It's disregarding the will of the people. Polis called a special session after HH ostensibly for property tax relief. We know that didn't happen. The bills that they passed brought very little relief while utterly disregarding voters' wishes on HH. This is so bad that the Wall Street Journal today even has an editorial entitled Colorado Zombie Tax Increase because it's eating away at Tabor at the taxpayers' Bill of Rights refunds that were due next year. We saw at the legislative session, too, uh, we talked about it before, Representative Elizabeth Epps going on an absolutely unhinged anti-Semitic tirade, getting broad condemnation, which provided a ripe opportunity for the Colorado Republican Party, a golden political opportunity on a silver platter to seize the narrative and cast Democrats as the tone-deaf architects of discord. But the Colorado Republican Party can't let itself be outdone by those crazy Democrats. So the state GOP urged county Republican parties not to accept and certify the election results in their counties, which, by the way, is quite a turnabout when the state party leadership publicly praised a, quote, vigilant electorate for, quote, rightly rebuffing Prop HH. That was Chairman Dave Williams, who rightly, properly pronounced the defeat of Prop HH as, quote, a resounding triumph for the Taxpayer Bill of Rights and fiscal responsibility. And he said, quote, credit for this victory against Prop HH ultimately belongs to the voters who refuse to let extreme Democrats pull the wool over their eyes and the countless citizens who worked tirelessly to educate their neighbors. And he even praised the anti-Prop HH coalition, the different organizations that came together to oppose it, for, quote, empowering Coloradans to make an informed choice that reflects their values. It was great. I loved that email. Williams was right on because Colorado voters stood up for Tabor, again rejecting a scheme that was widely pilloried, even on Nine News by Kyle Clark, for example, for brazen deception. 
So why in the world would the Colorado Republican Party officially rebuke everything Williams just said himself, urging its associates to disregard the, quote, Williams informed choice of, quote, vigilant voters? Ron Hanks, the chairman of the party's Ballot and Election Security Committee, wrote in an email last week, quote, I cannot recommend county canvas boards certify this most recent Colorado election. And I detail it and talk a little bit about it in my column today for the Denver Gazette entitled Colorado Self-Defeating GOP Strikes Again. Go check it out. But here is the thing. The Colorado Republican Party has scored major electoral victories, a number of school board races across the state. And, of course, Prop HH. Look at the city of Aurora. Yet party officials still can't bring themselves to accept the results. Choosing instead to be victims over victor. They've adopted the story of Republican warriors for election rejection. Over the classic tale of conservative champions for fiscal responsibility and Tabor. I ask you. With this protest of Hanks, what is the end game? Let's be clear about something. By outright discouraging local parties from certifying local election results, refusing to accept the outcomes of a democratic process that it encouraged and then praised, the state GOP delegitimizes its own existence and undermines any semblance of seriousness. The Colorado Republican Party empowered Ron Hanks, Mr. This copier is a Dominion voting machine and I'm blowing it up in my campaign announcement video to formally discard, disregard, just like the Democrats disregarded the will of the voters. The same voters that the chairman of the GOP, Dave Williams, praised not three weeks ago. Folks, by clinging to this self-defeating narrative, the party diminishes its position, including any ability to define the Democratic Party by the radicals in its ranks. Just nonsensical. Just keep this in mind, too, as I write today in the Denver Gazette. In politics, credibility is currency. Spent recklessly, it's hard to earn it back. And the party of Lincoln would be wise to keep this in mind. Democrats disregarded the voters at the legislative session. And then here comes the Republican Party in the state of Colorado saying disregard the will of the voters and do not certify the results. Now, thankfully, I'm unaware of any county party yet that has said we're not going to certify results. I won't be surprised if there's a couple of them. But hopefully that's it if that is the case. Susie texting in, Ron Hanks is the true definition of a rhino. I mean, when you're doing things that specifically empower the Democrats by undermining Republicans, yeah, it actually fits. I hate the term rhino, but it fits for Ron Hanks. Good point, Susie. Thanks for texting in. As we wrap up today's show, tomorrow Argentina has a president who's a free marketeer. In Javier Millet, we're going to talk with somebody about that and what really was going on down in Argentina. You don't want to miss it three to four tomorrow. Have a great one. God bless America.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.